Are we on? Uh, thank you to the music group. Whoever chose those songs were lovely and they fit in so beautifully. There's some words in there that um, say what I want to say this morning, actually. So um, perhaps go over them again. Um, I don't know what sort of morning you've had. I have not had a great morning this morning. Uh, as, as lying in bed like you do. And my lovely wife, uh, Kate, as she sometimes does, sometimes it's me, but she goes down, she gets us a drink and got me a nice, nice big glass of uh, orange water juice and stuff first thing in the morning. Very nice. Kate has water. She's better than me. And, um, and, I've, and I'm sitting there and I just turned over to, to get, the, get it and I knocked it over the whole of my side of my table. Now, not such a big deal, but I had my Bible there, all my notes were there and everything, so they're now a soggy mess at home. So if I ramble this morning, Kate said to me before I got up to speak, don't ramble, <laughs> don't ramble. So if I do, throw something at me and say stop waffling or get on with it or, or something like that. So candle means it's Christmas, doesn't it? Nearly Christmas, who's put the Christmas tree up? Anybody? Could someone stand who's put the Christmas tree up? Is anybody here? Could you stand up, please? My wife! <laughs> it's only because we're going to go next week, isn't it, Kate? And um, we like to come back and it's all done, you see. Or if, some, if a burglar comes into our house, I've just thought about that, and he sees all the lovely... Oh, that's nice, isn't it? might just leave it alone. Who knows? Uh, see, I'm waffling already. Uh, waffle, waffle. So this morning, uh, we're talking on the theme. I'd like to talk on the theme of generosity. Generosity. What generosity means and how we can enter into the world of, of generosity. I've got one or two little slides and things. I think uh, Roger's going to do some. There you go. I had this on my email uh, the other day. It's from Boots. It says, what, what is it about Christmas that brings you joy? What is it about Christmas that brings you joy this Christmas? And we get bombarded by all these things. And often every year we, we say the same things. Oh, we're going to... There's nothing about Jesus up there, by the way. I don't know why I should have expected that. I was looking through it thinking, there must be something about Jesus. It's his birthday, but no, there's nothing there. But we get bombarded by these things. And every year we sort of say, well, we're going to be a bit more spiritual this year. We're going to, it's going to be not so hectic. We're not going to get stressed by who's coming to where and who's going to whatever. And we usually fail miserably. I don't know about you. Do you as well? Encourage me and say, nod your head. And I can't really see you with your mask on, but you can nod your head uh, and, get, and get like that. But um, yeah, and, and I don't even do, do this, but like our family's got so big now that um, buying presents all my life, it's, uh, yeah, gosh, yeah, there's a few heads nodding now. And, and, and somebody came up and I said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, don't buy for sort of me and we'll just buy for the children. And, and you know, it's, it's Christmas and stuff. I said, good idea, good idea, happy about that. So we're out shopping in Kate's second church, which is John Lewis Stores. <laughs> and uh, it's very much like a church. There's lovely music playing and people are smiling at you and stuff, but take money off you. And... Anyway, we're going around and, and we've got this deal where we're not going to... And, and so, and Kate, and I see it, and she's getting this thing. I said, what's that? She says, uh, oh, it's for so-and-so. I says, but I thought we'd have this agreement where, you know, we're not buying for you and you're not... And she says, oh, it's just a bit of something. Yeah? It's just a bit of something to go with the fact we're not buying anything. And she does this 
with everybody, you know, whatever the agreements are, whatever it is, whether we've bought them, there's got to buy a little bit of something. And I've got to say, she's very generous, my wife, actually. She's good for me, because we're a bit of a team, you know. Kate's is generous, I'm a bit like Scrooge sometimes. So this message is for me again this morning, okay. So, but she's very, very generous, my wife is. Uh, which leads on to the topic of generosity. I've got a little verse for us this morning. And I think we've got some bookmarks, haven't we, uh, Roger? Yeah, he's waving them. Um, yeah, I don't know when we're going to do that, but we'll distribute them. So this is from Proverbs, from one of the richest guys that ever lived, actually. Uh, uh, if you know your Bible. Uh, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And I want to talk today and encourage us all and myself about entering into this world of generosity where our world becomes larger and larger. I also looked about what stingy meant as well uh, in the dictionary. And it means that it's someone who has the wealth, has the money, has the possessions, but doesn't actually want to part with it. That's the definition of stingy. Another definition I saw in there, which I quite like actually, is the, is the word tightwad. I don't know if you've ever come across the... Why, I don't know why you're sniggering. It's, it's, it's a perfectly good English word. Uh, tightwad, yes, you don't often hear that, do you? Perhaps you could turn to the person next to you and say, are you a tightwad? <laughs> huh? Oh, Kate! Okay, I'm only jesting. Um, but you know, um, I think, to be serious, I think one of the big issues we have now in our Western world and our Western Christianity is the amount of stuff we have. We're very wealthy. We're a very wealthy nation, you know, um, when we look at other nations. And, and I truly think it's one of the obstacles to our spiritual growth is what we have. I really do think that. It stops us sometimes, I think, entering into a deeper relationship with, with God in terms of what we have. We can sometimes become a bit stingy and, um, and, and, and not totally generous. I found this actually, I came across this literally this morning, um, if I can find it. My phone didn't get wet. It says, uh, this, this spiritual person said this, it says there's three kinds of giving. Beggarly giving, friendly giving, and kingly giving. It says beggarly giving is when we give the least of what we have. We give what we don't really need. We would never miss it. Uh, it's, it's what we might otherwise have thrown away. We decide to give that. That's beggarly giving. Friendly giving is when we give what, uh, what we use and like, not our very best, but what we can afford and might appreciate having as a gift for ourselves. And the third type, it says, is kingly giving. It's of a different order altogether. It's when we give the very best of what we have. When we give more than we keep for ourselves. When we give with no expectation of reciprocity. Someone will have to tell me what that exactly means. I kind of get it. It says an awakened awareness 
Uh, we give because the joy of generosity far exceeds the paltry satisfaction of hoarding or displaying wealth. We give because this very life is a gift itself and wants to be completely used up, wants to spread perfume around everyone it meets. And that last little bit there spoke to me, because in our reading today, we read of this woman who spreads beautiful perfume upon Jesus. We'll come to her very, very shortly. And just to say that um, a few years ago, I, I had the good fortune to be able to go to places like India and Africa and, and uh, with church things. And I met lots of people there who... I would say we're really poor. We talk about poor people here, but when you see the, what I would say is destitution, poverty of, of other countries, um, it, it's quite something. It's quite shocking when, when I first came across it. It's like, oh, my life. Is, do you really live there? Um, and and it's, it's quite shocking. But you know, <laughs> the incredible thing was and I, I am not joking, everyone I met, we met, they were generous. They gave out of literally nothing. If you went to their home, they wanted to feed you with next to nothing. And that's really touch, touched me and, and, in a sense, enlarged my world to, to, to see someone else. And, and you, you join in their, gener their generosity. And, and it does something to you, it does something to me anyway, when I see that. I'm going to pause now, just for one moment. Uh, I'm going to ask Julie wants to say a couple of things uh, about her experience, because uh, it's always good to root things in reality, isn't it, uh, of, of uh, this larger life and generosity. So, Julie. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, well, when Mick said, um, could I talk a little bit about um, um, times when generosity has touched my life? When I started to think about it, there were just so many things just flooding into my mind. And it actually made me really happy just thinking about it. But a couple of things that really stand out. So two years ago today, I would have been waking up um, on my first day um, on a trip to Guatemala um, with Compassion. And I went with a lovely group of people. And everyone that I went with um, were extremely kind, generous people. Um, all of them were sponsoring at least one child through Compassion. Um, all of them had given their time, you know, and um, struggled to raise the money to go and be able to visit the children and, and work with them for a week. So they were amazing people. But, again, very similar to what Mick said, it was the people of Guatemala that absolutely stunned us and blew us away. Like Mick said, they were living in extreme poverty. Um, and everywhere we went, we were just um, absolutely <laughs> submerged with gifts and generosity from these people that had literally nothing. Um, we went to um, visit um, one village, and um, we were visiting in people's homes, and they were just like little wooden shacks with dirt floor and you know maybe a few mattresses around. And we were made so welcome. But one thing that really, really stood out um, and which we've been talking about in our little WhatsApp group from the group that went. We went to one home, and it was like I've just described, bare walls, bare floor, nothing really in the house. But on the wall was a really lovely painting, um, which really stood out because it was, you know, just seemed so weird. 
And it was obviously pride and joy. So one of the members of our group kind of made a point to say to the lady how beautiful it was and you know how much she loved it. And um, as we were leaving the house, the lady of the house ran after us and pressed this picture um, into the hands of the woman who mentioned it. And she said, this for you. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I've got a picture of it there. <laughs> Yeah, so as you can imagine, we were all, there weren't many dry eyes when we were on the bus on the way back because we knew how precious it was to have been painted by a member of her family. Um, and she wouldn't get another, but she wanted, she wanted us to have it because she wanted to be able to give something. So that really had a, quite a profound effect on the group. The lady in the picture actually went on to sponsor another child when she was there because she was so touched. Um, and to this day, we still, we still talk about it. So it had a huge effect on all of us. It made all our worlds a lot bigger. I think the, the other thing that I can't help but mention at the moment, because it's so much a big part of my life, is our family from Syria that we are supporting at the moment. Um, from when we first kicked off, there's just been so much generosity poured out into that project. People giving above and beyond. I could tell amazing stories. But again, the ones that have really touched us the most is the generosity of the family. Anyone who's been around, you'll know you can't go in without being lavished with stuff. Um, and I think what's really been touched me the most is the way that, for me personally, the way I've been welcomed into that family. Um, for me, I, I don't actually have children or grandchildren, which can be quite a sorrow. Um, I kind of hope when the family came, they might have a little girl. They didn't, but very shortly after arriving, we discovered that Rasha is having a little girl. So I've been part of that whole thing of being part of the family, of planning, of um, buying baby clothes. And it looks like probably I'm also going to be the birthing partner. So again, generosity that was poured out into the family, massive generosity coming back and definitely changed our lives for the better. Mm. Thank you. So again, it's how when we enter this world of generosity, it just gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? It larges and people come into our lives and situations. The other thing to say is, I think that when it, talk, well, when it talks about generosity making our world larger, I don't, I'm not just talking about money and possessions. It's, it, it's whole way of life. It's, it's how we view things. It's, it's, it's a life that's, that's inclusive rather than exclusive. It, it, it draws all things in to our world and enlarges our world. So it's not just about possessions and money. It's, it's about a way of life, a way of... Of, of, of being generous with ourselves. I'm going to waffle in a minute. Oh, go on. Thoughts are coming in my head. But so, so it's, it's just entering into this way. You know, am I going to live in this larger world, generous world, or do I want to be in a smaller, stingy world and, and, and not experience that? Just finishing on, on this, um, our Bible reading this morning, um, I've been thinking about this quite a bit really and there's not enough time now to, to go through it but I encourage you to, to read and see what God speaks to you about but um, when, I, when I read these scriptures I like to get into or look around stuff because there's a lot not said as well isn't there within, within the text and I think about this woman in the story she's got no name <laughs> she's not named yet we're talking about her today amazing isn't it eh? an unnamed woman 2,000 years ago, we are, t we are thinking about it today. I am, anyway, thinking and meditating on it. She had no name. It would appear, because she she's, she's got a label, the label sinful woman in the village. 
She was probably known as the sinful woman. She was probably a bit of an outcast. She probably didn't have that many friends. You know? People probably talked about her behind her back, right? So in society, she probably didn't... Her world, I would suggest, was quite small. Yeah? <clears throat> but when we read this, she, she, we read that she says she heard Jesus was going to the Pharisee's house and she'd got, she, she wants to go. And it made me think, like, why, why would you go? You know, you're not going to be exactly welcomed, are you? You're the sinful woman walking into a, if you like, a dinner party. Why, what would give you the strength to go? What would give you the courage? What would give you the impetus to want to actually go there? But not only does she go, she makes a spectacle of herself. <laughs> she doesn't just sit quietly at the back and listen. She goes and stands, literally, at the feet of Jesus and begins to weep. And she weeps so much that her tears start to wet his feet. Now, you can imagine all the guests there thinking, what is going on? Have you ever been in a situation like that where you're thinking, oh Lord, get me out of here. You know, not out of the jungle, but get me out. I'm a Christian, get me out of here, quick. I was going to say something else, I'm not. But, um, yeah, so everybody's thinking it, aren't they? You know, what, what, why is she doing this? <clears throat> and Simon actually articulates it in his heart as well. He actually thinks, if this guy, Jesus, was a prophet, he'd know, like, this is a sinful woman. Why, why? And this is scary now, because Jesus read his, read his thoughts. Did you know that? We're sitting here this morning. God, Jesus, knows your thoughts. He's reading you like a book. <laughs> Scary, isn't it? Unless you're holy, like the vicar. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, where was it? So, so, what was it in that... that that girl's life that causes one to do, to, to display this, uh, this affection, this love, this, this totally giving away. For me, she must have come across Jesus. She must have heard him teaching and preaching somewhere. Something must have happened. She'd had an encounter with him that was so powerful that something had changed inside her heart. And when she heard that the rabbi, the teacher, was at this place, she had to go. Not only did she have to go, she took with her her possessions. She took with her very expensive perfume, and it says in an alabaster jar. The very thing, the very thing that she owned, the very thing that was to be for herself, to use on herself, she gave it away. She gave it all away. She, first of all, this is the teaching point for me, first of all, she gave herself to Jesus. She came, she wept, she kissed his feet, she dried his feet with her hair, which was a very shocking thing in those days. If women let their hair down, that was a total no-no. We're learning lots of things, cultural things about with our family now in terms of different religions and stuff. But she gave herself first to Jesus, 
She gave her heart to Jesus. She gave her love. We sang it in the songs there about giving our love to Jesus. And then when she'd done that, she gave everything she had in her hands. She took her, her worth, her possessions, her values, and she poured it onto Jesus' feet and said, Here you are, Lord. You are Lord. You have everything. You have my heart. You have all my possessions. And that my friends, my brothers, that is our model for generosity. When we've been touched by God, by Jesus Christ, truly in our hearts, then he's got everything. He's got everything. He owns everything about us, lock, stock and barrel. And this unnamed woman is such a perfect picture for me of that. And finally, we can just look at Simon. Jesus said to him, uh, you didn't give me a kiss when I came in. Three things you do when you go to a house. The person welcomes you with a kiss, a holy kiss. You never gave me water for my feet. You would offer water to wash the feet in that society. And you didn't anoint my head with something like uh, perfume. The very three things Simon had all those things in his possession but he was a tightwad he wouldn't give he kept it to himself and therefore his world got smaller and smaller i feel a bit sorry for him actually because he had all the religion it was all in place it could tick every religious box but his heart was small his heart was cold this girl didn't have the religion, but she had a relationship with Jesus Christ that she found was so real that she prepared to go and make a total fool of herself in front of all the community, and she gave everything she had. Shall we pray? Father, you sent Advent. I think you sent Advent to that girl that day, Lord. You came into her life. I pray, Lord Jesus, you come into our hearts again afresh today. Let us know your love. And help us, Lord, we pray. Help us in our weaknesses to become generous people in all aspects of that. Help our worlds to become larger and larger, Lord. Thank you, God, for giving everything for us. Amen.